That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Bob. What? Bob. What? Bob. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, July 25, 2023. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 916 of the Biden-Harris administration. 468 days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska. That's my handle there. Twitter. You know what? I'm still calling it Twitter. Bob Seska underscore go. Spoutable Bob Seska. And the other places. I don't know what the hell my handle is there. It's, it's different everywhere. <laughs> Patreon is bobseskashow.com. And sitting right over there, it's Buzz Burbank with the news. You say Buzz Burbank. Everything pink. You've said it all. Yeah, the walls, the carpeting, everything pink. Full Barbie, yeah. Talking to the redecorators. (laughs) Uh, He's Bob, of course. I'm Buzz. uh, But please, from now on, just call us X. (laughs) No, no, I'm calling it Twitter. Uh, Trump appointed Judge Eileen Cannon this week. uh, Set Trump's documents trial for May of next year. Wow. Well, uh, that way she'll have time to read up on, you know, how a trial works. <laughs> oh, and thankfully, nobody got hurt. But seriously, just before the show in Tennessee of Florida's Ron DeSantis and his campaign people were involved in a car wreck. Oh, no. Uh, it, well, come to think of it, that pretty much describes the whole campaign. Waiting for that one. Uh, Florida's, you could see that one coming down the highway. <laughs> uh, Florida's Ron DeSantis has uh, black-faced himself into a corner uh-huh. uh, by saying that black people benefited from their time as slaves. Yeah. They did learn so much, you know, like, uh, don't trust white people. <laughs> one thing. Useful. Yeah. Uh, hey, oh, if you're an actor or a writer who's on strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have some bad news. Oh, no. It's about that job you were hoping to land as a UPS driver. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Here's, here's the deal. 340,000 UPS drivers were talking about going on strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Amazon has prepared for this with its new program, Airport Pickup. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And a huge box office, right, for the new movie Barbie over the weekend. Uh, Conservatives really hate the movie, though. Mm. Uh, uh, Mainly they're mad about the scene where Ken's drinking little cans of Bud Light. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Kicking off a brand new week with Rocky Mountain Mike and Jason Aldean. What? What? Say a punchline that we can't figure out. A car that'll run just on a leg.
electricity Say the math works on single payer Well, I don't know math, so you ain't got a prayer Figure out stuff and go split the atom Don't try to tell me pro wrestling ain't real Yeah, you think you're smart Don't try that with our small minds See how much we make of it, you know Around here we graduate in the 8th grade You get too smart, you gotta leave town So you keep all our teeth, I recommend you don't Let's <laughs> try that with our small minds yeah. Oh wow, Rocky Mountain Mike as, You tell him. Uh, as yeah. timely as today's headlines, right? No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. That yeah. was, uh, of course, based on that Jason Aldean guy, that uh -huh. new song that he's got. What? Uh, Don't Try That in a Small Town. Is that what the Word, name of the song is? Words to that effect. Yeah. And uh, uh, by the way, Jason Aldean, the small town that he's from is uh, Macon, Georgia, uh -huh. with a population of over 153,000 people. Uh, so uh, as, 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 uh, as one comedian pointed out, they've even got a target there. Uh, you know, so it's uh, hardly a small town. Uh, yeah. Any stretch in the imagination, and by the way, also the birthplace of soul. Uh, but uh, it, you know this this whole uh, Jason Aldean thing uh, just just uh, ridiculous, and and I, I want to see him erased. So I only have limited bandwidth for this crap. What did right. Jason Aldean do, and why should I care? What is this story? Well, he's, he's a country singer, and okay. uh, he came out with this song, but basically saying. You know, you try uh, protest. He talked about crime, for example. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not gonna. A little old lady's not gonna get carjacked at a red light in in a small town, because uh -huh. uh, we don't stand for that kind of thing. Uh, and and it, it it also alludes to the protesters and the video that goes with it. Obviously, uh, uh, refers to uh, Black Lives Matter protests and those kinds of things. Oh, okay. And and so it's it's, it's what we won't tolerate in a small town, uh, and and. Uh, you know, I don't think I think even small town America objects to that to that video. And yet, uh, because of the controversy, it's a huge it's been a huge hit on country charts, although now banned on country music television. Why did they ban it on country music television? Because of its uh, apparently racist message. Because, oh, because they, <laughs> yeah. they didn't they didn't they didn't want to be associated with that. Good for um, CMT. They took a stand there, as some country uh, performers have. I'm not a fan of country music because I was raised on it, <laughs> but uh, I, I you know it it's it's I admire the ones who do have the guts to stand up in a in an unpopular in a crowd where these ideas are unpopular yeah. and, and speak up for what's right. Yeah, yeah. I think my first paid radio job was at a country radio station in Winchester, oh, Virginia, WUSQ, Q102, Winchester's country station. <laughs> that was well, fun. You know, and, and Rocky Mountain Mike worked, uh, I guess he did country radio for the ABC uh, network when they had multiple networks to feed radio stations. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he did he did country music there and then I think uh, on on regular on local radio as well. I I vowed and I, and I was on the news side of things, mind you. Mm -hmm. I vowed I vowed never to work at one. I I and and somehow I managed not to. Uh I I just it was something I I didn't want to be a part of that culture. Uh the rock and roll was my culture. That's yeah, where yeah. I belonged and so uh, that's that's where I did the news and tried to get 
that audience to listen to stuff I thought was important. Yeah, and our friend Chris Lavoie uh, worked in country radio for a period of time. It's almost yeah, like a rite of passage. It's amazing you apparently, kind of sidestepped it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, not being a DJ, it was probably easier for me uh, to, to do that. And it, it, You know, it just never worked out that way. It was the top 40 programmers who wanted me not the country ones anyway. So I, I, it wouldn't have been a, they knew it would have been a bad fit. I knew it would have been a bad fit. So yeah. we never did it. Yeah. So the big question of the day, Mr. Burbank, is yes. when we finish today's show, <laughs> is that when we're going to hear about January 6th indictments? Is it, it going to be, be today, tomorrow, or Thursday right yes. after the show? Yes to all of those, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it could very well be. Uh, the grand jury, uh, that grand jury, meets yeah. every Tuesday and every Thursday, which is just ironic because that's that's when you do these particular types of shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And and uh, so, it, it but it, the grand jury convenes at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we record the show a little before that. Yeah. So uh, that means that any time after we, about the time we finish the show or shortly thereafter, uh, there could be indictments today against yeah. Donald Trump. And right. Perhaps others, but most likely just Trump. Uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, I mean, it, it's we know it's coming. We know we're days away. If you measure the time that we learned about the first indictment, you know, the 37 counts yeah. on the and the documents case, uh, and, and between the, the time gap between when we first heard about that and, and the indictments actually landing is about the same time from when Trump announced that he had gotten this letter to write this very minute. Okay. So we're, we're at the same point on the timeline, whether that, that may mean nothing, that may be just voodoo, that may yeah. mean absolutely nothing. But if, if that's an indicator, uh, that's how close we seem to be. Everyone agrees uh, the indictment is coming. Right. And the grand jury is just anxiously waiting for us to finish the show before they yes. <laughs> take yes. their final tally and hand down the indictments. They're having a lovely lunch. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right. So suffice to say, once again, uh, the universe is going to do what the universe is going to do. And right. we have no control over that. We hope you continue listening to the show, even if there are indictments right after well, we finish recording. Uh, it's a no brainer. Obviously, yeah. other other stuff happened up to this point, and we're going to talk about that, too, which we were going to do anyway. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, we're, we're, we'll cover that now. Well, in other news, and this is similar news, but and it has to do with the other indictment, the other Trump indictment, right. is that the documents trial is set for May 20th, 2024. Yeah. What What is the rest of your, your reaction to this particular news that we're going to have to wait until May of next year before this gets started? I hope Jack Smith is able to convince her to move up the date. Uh, she, you know, it's obviously it's right in the middle of uh, actually pr a primary season will be over by the time that this, this goes to trial. Yeah. Um, uh, the timing is is weird. I think she was trying to give the appearance of impartiality by not giving Jack Smith what he wanted and not giving the Trump team what they wanted. They wanted to put it off at least until after the 2024 election. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, that was pretty transparent. Uh, even Judge Eileen Cannon could see that, I think, uh, or someone in her office did. Right. Uh, right. Uh, but at the same time, she didn't, uh, you know, she didn't give Jack Smith the, the speedy trial that he asked for. She said other, you know, other matters were more important than the speedy trial. And this puts, this uh, sets up a, 
a maddening calendar for prosecutors because, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, this is not the only investigation going. And so all of these things are pretty pretty much going to clash. It's hard to see how he'll be able to campaign through the summer given his busy court schedule, which is something I predicted uh, a year or two ago, that his court schedule would be so busy he wouldn't be able to campaign. Yeah, I mean, my view is the earlier the better because sure, I think what we have to take into consideration in all of this is the same thing that I said after, like the day after the 2020 election. We have to take into consideration fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. May 20th, 2024, that's when things get started. But it doesn't take into consideration the fact that Donald Trump is going to continue to stall and delay and sue and drag this thing closer and closer to, if not beyond, the 2024 election. And so that's my biggest concern. Now, best case, this thing is over in three months and... Trump may be convicted even before mm-hmm. the Republican convention takes place. Exactly. So exactly. that's a possibility, too. Well, and that's part of the Republican Party imploding, which uh, we've addressed before and can again. But yeah. uh, the, the, they put all their eggs in this basket. The, all the lemmings are now headed for the cliff at a rapid pace. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, this is the... The, the annihilation of the party that, that we predicted if they continue to follow this guy. And you'd think, okay, well, at this point with the indictments and all that, maybe we shouldn't follow this guy, and yet he's their number one candidate. And and the number two is uh, is a mess, and and a distant mess at that. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the, the party is is headed toward its death here, and, and uh, this is the situation they find themselves in uh, as all of this goes down. It is possible that, that Trump will be uh, convicted before uh, the 24 election, uh, maybe before uh, the nominee is chosen uh, officially. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it, the, you're right about one thing. The appeals will go on forever. Yeah, oh, yes. Well, still, it'll, yeah. still, it'll be a good feather in our caps to have the conviction before the election. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think any expectation of him being in prison prior to the 2024 election is realistic. Right. I no, think that no. there are absolutely going to be appeals, and who knows how long that's going to take. And that's provided he's convicted, and that's still an open question mark. I mean, who the <laughs> hell knows? We're talking about a Southern Florida jury and God only knows what that's going to be composed of as far as a jury of Trump's peers. Heaven help us. Um, But the reactions I thought were interesting coming out of this announcement that dropped, uh, I guess it was Friday. We heard about May 20th, 2024. Glenn Kirshner's first reaction was somewhat indifferent. The first thing out of his mouth when he heard the news was, oh, that's too late. And then he said, uh, but then, then again, the trial could be over by July 2024. So that's a possibility, too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. And and so I think you could get the conviction, and that would, I think, be helpful to Democrats uh, going into the election. Mm-hmm. You would think, you would hope uh, that that's where the moderates would, would lean uh, once the uh, Republican uh, nominee had been you know convicted of, of these very serious felonies. Exactly. And so then Andrew Weissman thought that this was good news. And you know what? Andrew Weissman has been on top of this shit and he's been accurate almost every single time. I can't think of a time when he was inaccurate about something. By the way, he is one of the people who said it could happen today. Yeah. He said breaking big win for Jack Smith on trial date. So that's unequivocal. And then, you know what? He kind of qualified it a little bit. He said, but the key is making this schedule stick. (laughs) 
Mm. which is kind of similar to my opinion. No surprise there because I trust Andrew Weissman. Uh, Joyce Vance thought that this was bad news. She said, here's the thing. In a case like this, plenty of opportunity for Trump to manufacture delay. And if this date slips, it makes it far less likely trial happens before the election and setting it in Fort Pierce with its tiny courtroom and no cameras allowed is a disservice to democracy. I agree mm. with that. All of it, yeah. That last no, part. They're, yeah, they're both right. But yeah. different different angles of looking at things, but I, they're both right. All of yeah. these things are yeah. true. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, Empty Wheel, uh, reacted favorably. She said, note, this is still less than a year after charging a SIPA case, so actually not unreasonable. I would say that's a pretty favorable reaction. Allison Gill, Donald mm. loses again in all caps. Yeah, that's a pretty favorable reaction. Judge Cannon sets documents trial date for May 2024. As we discussed on the Jack podcast, this was the likely outcome. Even with that date, even as late as it is, uh, and and perhaps because of as late as it is, uh, has to has to benefit Democrats. Has to uh, benefit Joe Biden. Yeah, uh, I, it, it, this is bad. The Republican Party is they're headed off the cliff here. And then newsman Buzz Burbank tweeted this. <laughs> the criminal trial of Donald Trump for allegedly stealing and exposing top government secrets is to begin in May, much sooner than the after the 2024 election that Trump had requested. Right. And so I categorized this uh, when we talked about this on the Friday after party. I uh, categorized your immediate reaction as favorable. Am I right? Um, yeah. And I, I mean, the, my first reaction was he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was and then my simultaneous reaction. You know, you know what a flam is if you're a drummer? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's where, you know, one stick hits just 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 a fraction of a second after the other one. That's right. a flam. Uh, well, it, that's how this occurred. That, that's how this went down. Exactly mm. like that. One right after the other. All right, so that's that. I mean, there's not a whole lot else we can discuss with regard to May 20th, 2024, except fuckery 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 we can yeah. count on that well from his side i you know again i think even with eileen cannon and this is presuming that she even stays on the case i always hold out hope that she can be recused by a, uh, a higher court yeah and and i i don't rule that out depending on uh, how wacky she gets right. uh, but 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 assuming i don't know assuming she she makes it even through this uh i i'm not i think even she can tire of of delays i i i don't I, I don't know how much any judge will tolerate in terms of when it just gets to be obvious what's going on yeah i think what we can expect from judge cannon and this is my cup half full point of view right, right. is that she will either draw compromises or try to balance out her more favorable trump opinions with her more favorable prosecution opinions uh, or rulings, I should say. And I, I just get the feeling that she's going to be more inclined to draw an even Steven position on all this stuff. Because she knows she's being watched. Exactly yeah. right. And so we should never have expected that she was, or any judge, was going to land on the side of the prosecution with every single decision. And so I think when it comes to D.C., I think we could expect the same sort of thing from whoever presides over the would-be uh, criminal trial with regard to January 6th, which we're going to 
probably hear about in a few minutes. Um, Fingers crossed. And in fact, I think this date is a bit of a compromise in and of itself. Because Jack Smith wanted December 2023. Right. Donald Trump wanted never or sometime (laughs) after the 2024 election. times infinity. Right, right. And so I think what she did is she drew some sort of balance between those two and landed on May 2024, which actually kind of leans, if you really look at the timing of it, leans more in the direction of the prosecution. And don't you think that stuff going down uh, during during the height of campaign season, yeah. going into the election, don't you think that's going to be helpful? I, I, I certainly do. I, I'd like to think it is. I'd like to think that that's going to damage Donald Trump. And because we know what kind of evidence we're going to see coming out of this. Yep. It's going to be damaging. You know, the other dimension to all of this is that the indictments for the January 6th crimes for the big lie, et cetera, have yet to be handed down as we record this, but they could be any time this week as we discussed, today or Thursday. It's possible that that trial gets underway before the documents trial. I'm glad you said that. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be. It could be. It could be over before the other one uh, because th- this doesn't involve the classified documents that cause a lot of this delay. There, there was going to be a delay in the uh, documents case anyway because of the time it takes to review. Yeah. The time it takes for the defense to review the documents. Right, um, and so related to that, that takes us to Fulton County and Fonnie Willis, where we learned on Friday that. They're preparing racketeering charges. This is a, an exclusive that came from the great Hugo Lowell at uh, The Guardian. Right. And so this is something that we were kind of expecting, and this confirms that the racketeering statute in Georgia requires prosecutors to show the existence of an enterprise, quote unquote, and a pattern of racketeering activity that is predicated on at least two qualifying crimes. Two, where I see the number two, I think of that Casey right. Kasem tape. Me too. Two Um, The Trump investigation, the Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis has evidence to pursue a racketeering indictment predicated on statutes related to influencing witnesses and computer trespass, the people Mm. said, the sources. Willis had previously said she was weighing racketeering charges in her criminal investigation, but the new details about the direction and scope of the case come as prosecutors are expected to seek indictments starting in the first two weeks of August. So the racketeering statute in Georgia is more expansive than its federal counterpart. Interesting, notably because any attempts to solicit or coerce the qualifying crimes can be included as predicate acts of racketeering activity, even when those crimes cannot be indicted separately. Interesting. So then that relates to the news we got from Hugo Lowell today about Mm -hmm. how Georgia prosecutors are eyeing criminal solicitation charges The move by the Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis to identify a list of potential charges marks a major juncture in the criminal investigation and suggests prosecutors are on course to ask a grand jury to return indictments next month. Among the state election law charges that prosecutors were examining, criminal solicitation to commit election fraud Mm -hmm. and conspiracy to commit election fraud. As well as solicitation of public or potential officer to fail to perform their duties and solicitation to destroy, deface, or remove ballots, the people said. So this language makes much more sense. We were talking about this on Thursday, Buzz, and there was one piece that we were reading on the show that had the words voting fraud 
in there, right, right. which is which is a misnomer because what we're talking about is election fraud. And besides, the phrase election fraud, I think, sticks to the wall a little better as far as not just criminal charges, of course, but also in terms of the public view of what we're talking about, the, the, the framing yeah. of this, that Donald Trump could be indicted for not only election fraud, but uh, criminal solicitation of election fraud. So that's what everyone seems to be talking about on all sides of the political debate these days, election fraud. And now with Donald Trump, we have the potential for actual tangible charges along those lines. Donald right. Trump himself committed election fraud. And this is something that we've right. known all along. We've been following this since the Zelensky phone call, which was the beginning, I think, the first documented start of Donald Trump's attempt to screw around with the 2024 election because that Zelensky phone call, the extortion, was explicitly for the purposes of damaging Joe Biden leading into the general election. So that's how it got started. And so this has been Donald Trump's enterprise, to use the uh, appropriate word here, <laughs> to rig the 2020 election. Exactly. While meanwhile saying, oh, no, it's not me rigging the It's them. They're doing it. They're rigging exactly. the election. And I have all kinds of proof. The guy, who's been no saying, yeah. the guy who's been saying all along that uh, <laughs> the election was rigged by the Democrats yeah. uh, was we now have proof that it was he who was endeavoring uh, personally, yeah. in many cases, to uh, to rig the election. You know, we're talking a lot about the documents case uh, with regard to May 20th and all the rest of it. Right. When it comes to the 2024 election, it's this Fonnie Willis case and the January 6th case that I think are going to damage Donald Trump more than anything else. Because what we're talking about is election fraud trials right. in the context of a presidential election. Mm -hmm. So Donald Trump's going to be running for office while at the same time defending himself against not just county-level charges, local charges in Fulton County, but also now federal charges all relating to some form of election fraud or and some way to uh, circumvent the democratic process. And the hush money case in Manhattan and the investigation of his business practices by Letitia James. Yeah, exactly right. You know, and the crazy thing about this and the thing that I still can't wrap my head around, yeah. and it shouldn't be surprising to any of us. We know these people are in a cult. They're in a political ideological cult. Sure. At this point. But here we are with an ex-president for the very first time in our national history about to be indicted for his second set of crimes and half the voting population is like, ah, it's a bunch of horse shit. That's an amazing thing that not even two separate sets of indictments, federal indictments against In an ex-president will make any difference with these people, the half of the voting population. I don't oh, see in, how we in, can... In, you know. in, in fact, they're, they're ramped up and they're going yeah. to be ramped up about what they see as the persecution of Donald Trump. So uh, I, I think it's uh, understood that we are already ramped up to make sure that Donald Trump does not return to the White House. And yeah. I think... The when I say we, I'm talking about the majority of Americans. And this majority of Americans outnumber his rabid supporters if we show up.
yeah. if we vote in overwhelming numbers to crush them, not just to beat them by a couple of points, but to, to humiliate uh, what has become of the Republican Party. Exactly. So the question is, Buzz, when and if Joe Manchin runs as a no-labels candidate, Right. <laughs> we talked about a, a poll question last week. And again, we have to always present the caveat that polling is janky right now. And so we can only take it seriously up to a certain point mm -hmm. before, you know, we have to start saying, oh, my God, well, polling is really screwy these days. That being said, Joe Manchin could get upwards of 16 percent of the vote. And the way it was presented by whoever it was who did the polling said, well, he's got no chance of becoming president. Well, that's not the point. The point is that that 16%'s got to come from someplace. Where does it come from? Does it come from mostly Democrats or mostly Republicans? How does that, let's say Joe Manchin does end up getting 16%. And let's say that no labels and Joe Manchin are a factor in the general election. Does that take away more votes from the Republicans or more votes from the Democrats? I'm having this debate on Twitter right now. In fact, I started it this morning <laughs> by going after third party voters. And so I'm now I'm involved in a uh, Twitter debate about all of this. Well, Where do you at, land at, on that uh, at, dividing at, line? As we've said before, uh, any vote, any single vote, I, never mind percentages, even one little vote for a third party yeah. uh, is, is a vote for Trump. Yeah. Uh, th that's the way it's going to come down uh, because you take that vote away from the guy who can beat Trump. Yeah. And, and so uh, and even a single vote is, is detrimental. But uh, this, is, this is insanity. This is the, and and I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to land. First of all, has anyone heard uh, this guy's voice? I mean, uh, listening to these, these folks, and they've, they've expressed views that have offended both sides. And I think both conservatives and uh, liberals are so uh, entrenched separately that uh, a party that tries to, you know, throw something to one side and throw something to the other uh, ends up just alienating both sides. Yeah. So I don't know yet know what kind of impact they're going to have. But as I started this, uh, any impact at all is too much. And and there, by the way, there, there is a bipartisan effort, Democrats and Republicans working together to crush <laughs> the the no labels party. So I was uh, it, it did my heart good to see Republicans and Democrats in Washington working together to crush the no labels party. I wish them Godspeed. I hope that that's the case. I hope this is a non-starter where it basically the the number of Republicans voting for uh, no labels cancels out the number of Democrats voting for no labels. And, right. and, and that's as far as I'm concerned, that's the best case scenario. But I have a hard time with that level of optimism because it seems like the Republicans invariably are better at lockstepping their voters, where I think more Republicans tend to fall in line, whereas Democrats, yeah, it's the old adage of herding cats. Right. Where, you know, I'm not a member of an organized party. I'm a Democrat. That sort of thing. Where some ideas. Yes. Exactly. My concern is that Democrats and their independent thought, which sometimes isn't bad, right. but when it comes to voting, my concern is that they're going to go, oh, you know, this guy, maybe this guy.
that's a time we need to learn that that's a time when we need to come together, despite that uh, we can have these discussions, but maybe not during an election. Yeah, exactly. Not, you know, just right now, can we all just be on the same team to, you know, keep the wheels turning? Yeah, yeah. While democracy is at stake. Right. Can we set aside some of those things and focus on the existential crisis that's facing us right now? Oh I mean, that's the key. Because the, the more we screw around, the more we risk losing our democracy. And if that takes shaming, vote shaming people, that fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. I, I don't know how else you make the argument other than to say, well, that, that vote is wrong. That support is wrong. You shouldn't be taking uh, points away from the incumbent in order to support this guy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in the primaries or Marianne Williamson, or then you fast forward to the general election, this guy, Joe Manchin, or whoever the no labels candidate ends up being. I think no labels believes that they're going to take votes away from the Democrats. I think that's the rationale. Well, that's honestly the intention of it. I believe that the dark money behind the No Labels Party uh, has come from uh, conservative sources. Uh, that is the, oh, yeah. the whole idea of the party is to take votes away from Joe Biden. And and under the guise of we're not either of these guys, we're we're you. Yeah. Uh, and and I that. Uh, that'll fly until they start talking specifics. As they, and I wish I'd uh, brought ev my evidence with me, but uh, there was a case in which uh, uh, the party or some significant person within expressed a liberal view that was immediately condemned by conservatives. So, well, there went that vote, or at least a part of it. I, I think, give them enough time, they'll alienate everybody, is my it may be my uh, optimistic view of this. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right about all of that. I hope that no labels is a non-starter and it becomes a big nothing burger by this time next year. But the, the name sooner. itself, yeah. the name itself is scary. The name itself is yeah. scary because it's I. That's a that's a phrase that appeals to a lot of people. Oh yes, it does. Yeah, they were smart with the marketing of this thing, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. No time like the present, by the way, to start uh, drilling holes in the prospect of a no labels third party run. And that doesn't even take into consideration the idea that there's probably going to be a Green Party candidate and so on down the line, a socialist candidate and all the rest of it. It seems like every day that we gather here, we find new things that are taking chunks out of Democratic chances to win this election. Oh, yeah. And it seems Especially, like that happens every election, doesn't it? But Yeah, well, and every week here in Florida, I mean, it's it's always something new. The, the restrictions that have been placed on voter registration groups now, these folks can go to jail if they're not yeah. careful. Yep. Uh, you know, the voter suppression and, uh, you know, and, and Alabama now defying the United States Supreme Court. Uh, yeah, and then you have Texas defying the Department of Justice. Yeah, I'd say things are going pretty well. <laughs> right. Okay, so lots more to come on today's show, the big Tuesday show. We're going to talk about Twitter becoming X, <laughs> even though we're still going to call it Twitter. <laughs> Elon shaking up the ant farm once again. Plus uh, some bad news for Mastodon users. Uh, the folks who have uh, settled on Mastodon as their alternative to Twitter, uh, the Washington Post has a pretty serious piece about something that's going on over there. We'll talk about mm. that. Uh, Kevin McCarthy and the possibility of impeachment, <laughs> which is oh, just brother. insane. Brother and, uh, and, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how now uh, Fox News is trying to justify concentration camps and forced labor. 
They can be fun. You yeah. can learn things there like the slaves did. They can be fun. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Greg Gutfeld is an unforgivable monster, isn't he? Yep. All right. Yep. We're going to yep. talk about that and a whole lot more still to come. But here's the thing. As we've been discussing, the election is just around the corner, the 2024 election. We're going to start seeing debates here in the coming months and uh, coming weeks, I should say. And, of course, the primaries start, God, what, five months from now? And so if you want the best kind of coverage, you can't expect to get that from cable news. you got to support independent media, specifically shows like this podcast. Mm -hmm. For just $5 per month, you can support our Patreon page as we guide you through the madness and chaos of our politics. But it's not just about supporting shows like our show. You're also going to get bonus content as a reward for your monthly support. We're talking about exclusive access to our Shadow Docket show, which we record after the end credits on our Tuesday and Thursday podcast. You also get access to the Patreon app where you can download the free show and our bonus content and get notifications about all that stuff. Plus, you can join the discussion with our community of Patreon members in the comments under each episode. All of that for just $5 per month. We're talking about pennies per show. So don't miss out. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it. Send it to all your friends. And we thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska! All-time favorites all day long! This is one of our new favorites here on the show. This is Dream Kid and his uh, throwback 80s sound song called Streetlights. Strongly recommend this album. Go to uh, bobseska.com. Find this episode dated 72523. Click that link and uh, scroll on down. You'll find links to support Dream Kid. Download his album and uh, get it into your record collection. BobSuska.com slash music to submit your work to the show. Thank you for doing that. Makes me makes me miss my pirate shirt. <laughs> what, did you have a pirate shirt in the 80s? Is that what you're well, talking about? Well, well, sure. Didn't everybody? <laughs> no, I guess not. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I did. I think I had uh, a few puffy shirts. Like did I mention Jerry the Sons rock and roll? Did yeah. I mention the rock and roll? I don't know. <laughs> 
let's see here. You know what? Does the podcast sound okay today? Are we sounding okay? Here's the thing. We had a major lightning storm last Thursday night. Uh-huh. Kimberly and I talked about it on the after party on Friday. And here's the thing. I didn't discover this until yesterday, but that lightning storm blew out the sound card on the computer that I used to pipe you and Jody and David into the show. Right. So we're using a whole new way to record the show right now. And so it sounds in my ears, it sounds a little different, but it sounds good. It sounds yeah, it sounds really good to me. It sounds live and and hopefully it it sounds better, you know, to people listening or maybe maybe you know they don't notice a, a subtle difference like that. But uh, yeah, it's it. What happened here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is a lightning yeah. came down and took out a piece of unnecessary equipment. <laughs> Uh, That's exactly and, it. And now the system works better. So there you go. Nature <laughs> nature knows. Nature That's is right. a way. For you nerds out there, I had an external right. sound card hooked up to right. this laptop that I used exclusively to pipe you in and uh, Jody and David into the show. And I also used that computer to record the uh, Trek Politics podcast. It's got my uh, camera hooked up to it and all the rest of it. And I went to record the Trek Politics episode with Mary the other day, and the sound card was clearly blasted out. It just sounded horrible. So I removed it. It took it out of the whole equation and just uh, connected the laptop itself to the board. Sounds great. Nature knows. Trust yeah. nature when it comes to these things. <laughs> Life finds a way, mm-hmm. as Dr. Ian Malcolm says. Yeah. Anyway, congratulations. It does sound better, and I hope people appreciate the difference. Yes, and by the way, uh, you heard it here first on tomorrow's Trek Politics episode. We are sadly announcing that the show is going on strike. Uh, Not this show, the Trek Politics show. I see. We have decided to stand in solidarity officially with the actors and writers who are on strike, and so along those lines, we have decided to put the show on hiatus until the strike is over. And that, those are the key words. We are coming back. Trek politics will return with me and Mary Trump. We've just decided that it's difficult enough to talk with actors and, and uh, writers and people involved with Star Trek and navigate the landmines that are American politics. Then you add the extra dimension of the strike, which none of these people can actually talk about. And it becomes untenable to do a show based on something that you can't talk about. Politics, always kind of a dicey thing when you're talking about guests. And Star Trek, we can't talk about because that would step on the toes of the mission of SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild and what they're trying to do uh, with the studios at this point. So we just decided the best thing to do, it would be to just stop doing the show and then come back when the dust clears. And I think that's a a smart thing to do. Plus, we're lending our support to uh, a great cause, which is making sure that uh, writers are compensated fairly, that actors are compensated fairly, that there's some sort of guardrails when it comes to AI. And so uh, I think we're doing the right thing. I do. I, I for one, think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I salute uh, both of you for that. Uh, I, by the way, I'm very excited. I got my uh, SAG after a strong a t-shirt yesterday oh great and uh, yeah so i'm i'm excited about that uh, uh we do absolutely support the striking writers and the striking actors and uh, we obviously hope this is resolved soon so we can have our entertainment back and so we can have our shows about entertainment back like 
uh, Trek politics. Um, and your, your your interviews with the with the actors about the strike, I think, are, have been helpful to to the union. Uh, hopefully, it helps the cause. Oh yeah, yeah. The Kirk Acevedo interview, uh, where he was talking about being a middle class actor uh, right. who has to jump from job to job to job. Those right. big gaps between jobs. It would be terrifying. I mean, I, I experienced a little bit is, of that yeah. running an animation studio where you're in the middle of a job and you don't know where the next job is going to come from. I've experienced that in radio. Oh, right? yeah, yes. that's another one. Yeah, exactly right. You get fired from one station. There's a format change. has nothing to do with you. And then suddenly you're out of work and you're like, oh, my God, where do I go now? And uh, that's baked into the process of being a performer, irrespective of what that performance, what format that performance takes. Then to add the extra dimension of not getting paid adequately, not uh, getting the, the right royalties for streaming, and the possibility of it doesn't even matter if you show up, they're just going to take your face and slap it onto some other person and use AI to mimic your performance, and right. that's it. You don't even get the work in the first place. I'm so uh, I, I would you know. I would hate to be a young person starting out in the workforce now. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not. I was seeing uh, the, the companies are using AI filters now uh, to to go through resumes and yeah. and uh, applicants have figured out hacks uh, to make it pass the AI. What I mean, they, they're jumping through hoops they shouldn't have to jump through. Uh, and and uh, you know, AI is a real threat to both the writers and the actors, and and I presume to other careers as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, we need our arts protected yeah. for sure. And and so we, we have to fix this. Uh, the CEOs make so much obscene money. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know it, what you're going to read is a lot of whining from the studios about, well, we're not making as much money as we thought we were going to from streaming. Yeah. Uh, it, well, I don't know. The CEO seems to be doing pretty well. How about sharing the wealth? <laughs> uh, and and uh, I think that needs to be... Uh, a main topic of discussion. Ultimately, what's going to end up happening is we're all going to end up paying more for streaming. Yeah. I think that's all, yeah. in inevitable mm -hmm. in all right. this because right. it has to come from someplace. And I don't see Bob Iger giving up his paycheck or his golden parachute anytime right. soon. So right. it's just going to be, okay, we're going to jack up the price for these streaming services. We're going to start consolidating them. And that's where this is all going to end up landing. But uh, going back to AI real quick, um, Joy Reid described something on her show last night about how someone took AI, made an, like a deep fake of some kid's voice and then used that to extort money from the kid's parents and made the parents think that their child had been kidnapped using a deep fake using a deep fake audio clip it being used already in campaign ads yeah yeah I, there was a Ron DeSantis ad I'm sure you yes. heard it where yes. Donald Trump's voice was deep faked in there where they took uh, one of his uh, troths from troth central troth truth central and then uh, had a voice an AI it. voice reading that troth but there was nothing on the screen that said Donald Trump I, didn't really say this out loud. I, I saw someone on Twitter who's a, a voice actor. Uh, I, I, it's a little side hustle. I have. I don't. It's never something I've pursued or worked <laughs> at. I just lucked into some jobs. Yeah. Uh, but but to, to make a living that way is pretty rough. And I, I saw one woman who is a voice artist who said, uh, you know, the AI had uh, 
started. It, it, you had to be careful when you did a job to make sure that the, the, everyone involved, the recording studio, every the, whoever's, whoever's material it is, that everyone involved has to uh, pledge not to uh, store any of this in AI. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, she gets put out of work by herself in future jobs. I mean, this is the this these are all the the widespread threats that that we're facing here. I mean, we talked about this with Kirk Acevedo, uh, and I brought up the idea that someone could take one of his performances, slap their own face on it. I mean, this is sort of a reverse deep fake or a performance deep fake, where they take Kirk's performance, slap their own face on it, and call it theirs, or an independent uh, production studio or something like that, doing something along those lines that uh, right now, I don't think there are any guardrails against that. And so I think one of the optimal side effects of the Writers Guild strike, or the uh, Screen Actors Guild strike in particular, is some rules about AI and some regulations along those lines. And uh, that, I think, will be a, a positive development, not just when it comes to actors or writers for that matter, but in a broader sense, other people that might have their uh, jobs taken away by AI in an unfair sense. Obviously, AI is here to say, stay, and we can expect developments emerging from AI that are positive. Uh, we can expect some jobs to be eliminated because of AI, but uh, I think getting those regulations in place now, while it's still fresh and maybe still recognizable, <laughs> where there are still some janky aspects to it, where you can, oh, yeah, that looks like AI to me, or oh, yeah, that sounds like AI where it's still in its infancy, now's the time to uh, make sure that we guide right. it in the right direction so we can get optimal benefit out of it without having too many downsides. I think that's fair. In, in the meantime, it'll be a lot of reality shows, yeah. uh, uh, crime specials from the news division, and game shows. So that, yeah. that, that'll be your TV future. I, I still have a list of shows I want to get to, a series that I've, I've never seen, mm -hmm. that I missed for one reason or another. So I have a, a backup of, of TV to watch because I won't be watching any of the unscripted stuff, the yeah. reality, the fake reality shows. Mm -hmm. uh, so so, uh, I, but I wonder how long that stockpile that I've amassed will last yeah. because this, this could be a very long strike. Okay. Well, speaking of technology, <laughs> we got to talk about Twitter becoming X, even though everyone's yeah. going to still oh call it Twitter. God. Yeah. What a goof. I'm going to still call it Twitter just to piss off Elon Musk on some I, level. I know he doesn't I, give a I, shit about I, me, but I, whatever. I, I, I can't say. Yeah, wait. Well, can you imagine if Kleenex came out and said, uh, "No, no. From now on, we want to be called, you know, K." I, I, you <laughs> right. Know, I guess you know it's just insane. There's yeah. there's no marketing sense to this whatsoever. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. We're still trying to figure out what Elon is up to, and, and I think on its face we can say, oh, "Okay, this is a nostalgia trip for Elon," because right. his first baby was called X.com. This is one of the first things Elon Musk started. Uh, that predated the dot-com boom and, and kind of emerged in a big way so now, during the dot-com boom. So now Twitter is his baby. Yeah, exactly right. I right. think there's nefarious intent here on some level. Oh, that of course there is. We, we can only speculate on what that might be. And, and by the way, yeah. mm -hmm. who, who's crazy enough to put their money into x.com and the new banking service that it's going to launch. Yeah, it's not no longer just a social media site. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you, you do your banking there as well. 
Here's Elon Musk stumbling his way through an explanation of what he wants X.com, which we're now still calling Twitter, to yeah. be. This is where he's taking this whole thing. Essentially, if, if, if done right, the X would be would, would serve people's financial needs to such a degree that over time it would become, I don't know, maybe half of the global financial system. <laughs> wow. Wait, wait, you know what? That deserves this. <laughs> He's making, he wants to make X.com. Right. At least half of the global, fin or the bulk of the global financial sector. What does he, he talk about? He wants to handle half the world's money, yes. Jesus, he can't even get tweets to work. <laughs> I mean, how many times has Twitter gone down in just the last couple of weeks alone? And he wants to be our latex salesman. Give me a goddamn break. All right, let's hear more of this. Or some big number. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what the number is, but pretty big. Um, so it would be by far the biggest sort of financial institution. If, but, but like I said, not, not really in the way that people are used to thinking about uh, banks. Mm -hmm. Just um, just the most efficient scam database for the <laughs> thing that is money. Um, just the most like, efficient database for the thing that is money. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, is he up his own ass? Least amount of fraud. Uh, everything's real time. All right, whatever. Um, that's that's Elon Musk talking about this boondoggle, this forty-four billion dollar impulse purchase. Uh, I mean, there, there are dueling schools of thought here. On one hand, I know our friend Mary Trump says, well, this is, and, and Kimberly agrees with Mary, that what Elon Musk is doing here is deliberately destroying Twitter for some reason. Maybe it's the influence of the Saudis. Maybe it's the influence of Vladimir Putin, something along those lines. I just think he's far more incompetent than what he's being given credit for oh, yeah, over the absolutely. years. Just because he's got SpaceX and, and Tesla doesn't mean a goddamn thing. We've got scientists and engineers working on that shit. He, he didn't pull himself up by his bootstraps. He lucked into that money. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and has parlayed it uh, by doing uh, big, exciting things. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, that it doesn't make him a very smart man. Uh, yeah. Some of the things have worked out. Some of the things have not. Some of the things are, are yet to be tested. Oh, by the way, police stopped Elon from removing the Twitter sign on the I outside know. of the building yesterday because they didn't have and a now, permit to do it. Now he just says, er. <laughs> That's right. And the other thing that was happening yesterday is there were lots of rumors going around that either Meta or Microsoft or both, yes, both. own trademarks on X, on the and letter that's, X. That, that's just, well, and I think Xerox does as well. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are, there are other companies that have X trademarks, whether or not they'll pursue them. Mm. It's it's interesting that Elon Musk's Meta has uh, a trademark X because uh, this is these are the two rivals. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. In, in terms of social media, at mm -hmm. least, or, well, and 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 global financial control, uh, You know, but but these are the two competitors, and uh, so uh, you know, sure, let's uh, duke it out, boys. So here's some history for all of this, and this is uh, I'll admit this is taken from the Wikipedia page. 
for X.com. <laughs> Throughout the 1990s, Elon Musk envisioned creating a full-service online bank that provided checking and savings accounts, brokerages, and insurance. Musk commented in a 1999 interview with CBS Market Watch, I think we're at the third stage now where people are ready to use the internet as their main financial repository. See also the quote that we just played or the audio we just played of Elon Musk from like yesterday. Right. In January of 99, Musk formally began planning an online bank while in the process of selling his company Zip2. A month after Zip2 was purchased by Compaq, Musk invested about $12 million into co-founding X.com in March 1999 with Harris Fricker. That was my radio name in 1978. <laughs> I was Harris Fricker on the radio. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this guy, Christopher Payne and Ed Ho. Uh, Fricker worked with Musk when Musk was an intern. Can I just change my last name to Fricker, please? I just want to be Bob Fricker. The now. Fricker and Ho morning show. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Fricker worked with Musk when Musk was an intern at the Bank of Nova Scotia. Payne was a friend of Fricker, and Ho was an engineer. This sounds like a, an Abbott and Costello routine. I can't do this. <laughs> pa Payne, Fricker, and Ho. Oh, my. Please, okay. please try to continue. The company was initially run from a house before moving into an office in Palo Alto. Uh, Due to conflict on how to run the company, Musk fired Fricker five months after X.com had started, and the other two co-founders, Payne and Ho, left mm -hmm. consequently. X.com officially launched in December of 99 with former Intuit CEO Bill Harris serving as the inaugural CEO. Within two months, X.com attracted over 200,000 signups. In March 2000, now we're in the midst of the dot-com boom, uh -huh. X.com merged with Confinity, its fiercest sure. competitor, the new company being called X.com, which is the same name. Right. M Musk was its biggest shareholder and was appointed as its CEO. Started in 1998, Confinity's product, PayPal, enabled uh -huh. users with Palm Pilots, <laughs> Palm Pilots, to, to, to send money to each other through its infrared ports. Subsequently, PayPal developed to allow users to send money using email and the web. In September 2000, when Musk was in Australia, this is my favorite part, on a honeymoon trip, sure. the X.com board voted for a change of CEO from Musk to Peter Thiel. I, oh, I yes. forget, I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Peter Thiel, the co-founder of Confinity. So Musk is replaced in his own company by Peter Thiel. In June of 2001, X.com was renamed PayPal. So then you fast forward to 2017 and... That's when Elon Musk bought the rights back to the X.com domain name for nostalgia reasons. So this has been percolating a long time. This is something that Elon Musk probably feels stung about, that he was replaced while he was on his honeymoon. <laughs> Makes me laugh. <laughs> By Peter Thiel, who's an awful, awful person. So in a sense, you could make the argument that what Elon Musk is doing with Twitter is... Elon Musk is essentially buying a user base on which to build his resurrected X.com. Apparently, yeah. Right. Yeah. So He even wanted to yeah. change the name of PayPal to X at one point, but yeah. they, they, he got overruled on that. <laughs> right, right. So the great irony with that plan is, in the process of 
executing this janky nostalgia-driven strategy is that Elon Musk is driving away his user base. The thing that he may have yeah. purchased Twitter explicitly for, for is now abandoning Twitter gotcha. because of Elon Musk. So That's very he, interesting and yeah. probably true. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with yeah. that. So there's, I think, uh, a particular angle. It doesn't have that flavor of nefariousness that, uh, you know, sort of the folks who want to say, well, this is like the producers. This, this is like Brewster's millions. He's deliberately ruining it. He paid for a whole lot of people, and, and now he's paid that same amount for a much smaller amount of people. Yeah. Uh, and, and to launch his little worldwide bank. Now, I believe... I'm a little bit in the school of thought, the nostalgia school of thought here, yes. after reading some of the history. I also believe that Elon Musk purchased Twitter and received financing to do that uh -huh. because of the impending 2024 election and Donald Trump running again. I think there are people who have money invested in Elon Musk's venture here who have a vested interest in seeing Donald Trump become president again. See also the Saudis. Well, and so that may be a dimension to all of this. Obviously, we're still just speculating because we don't have any hard facts or reporting along those lines. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not sure I, I understand the connection that you're making there, but I will say that I know they share the same fans that uh, many of the same people who support Musk yeah. support Trump. That I know to be true. Well, a lot of outside money went into Elon's purchase of Twitter, and some of that money came from Saudis. Why are Saudis investing so much money in Elon Musk? Well, one possible explanation of that question is Twitter would then be in control of Elon Musk in time for the 2024 election where all kinds of pro-Trump propaganda disinformation right. can be gotcha. pumped into Twitter unfettered. There's no concern about uh, Elon Musk clamping down on disinformation. In fact, he's encouraging it. More than our own red hats, the Saudis would right. very much like to see Donald Trump reelected. Yeah, and, and who are the people who are buying up blue checks? People who are most likely to circulate that disinformation. Right. People who are already predisposed to supporting Donald Trump and Elon Musk. They're buying up those Twitter blue accounts. So now, even with a diminished user base, as I hope Twitter has right now, it doesn't matter because there's still a significant enough user base to make that disinformation have an effect on the 2024 election. Because it's not going to necessarily come from Facebook anymore because Facebook has clamped down on that sort of thing. At least they've said they have. And some of the other platforms as well. So that leaves this one platform where a lot of people still get their news and opinions across the political spectrum. So with that, and this has kind of been the centerpiece of my problem with Elon Musk and Twitter from the very, very beginning. I've been thinking about this. I mean, it's no coincidence that this purchase went through and was finalized right around the same time that Donald Trump announced he was running for president again. Hmm. So uh, maybe that's coincidence and that's a possibility that it was mm -hmm. coincidence. But I think we need to take this seriously as now this huge platform, this unfettered platform for Russian propaganda. We've already talked about the news story that Russian propagandists are buying up Twitter blue accounts. And why are they doing that? Because Twitter blue not only gives you that stupid blue check, but it gives you increased reach. People who have blue checks now and are paying for them their tweets get seen by more people than non-blue checks now.
because that's one of the benefits. So that's one of the, yeah. That's how it's rigged. Exactly, exactly. So there you go. Um, along those lines, the question remains, where do we go now? And it's a little bit frustrating for me because... Here's what I think. Yeah. Here's what I think. Let's put it on the ballot. Let's put it on the election ballot. We put all the, 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 top, <laughs> the top five out there, and yeah. uh, I, I'll vote for Spoutable. Yeah. But uh, hopefully we can elect just one, just one that can replace Twitter. And, and for that matter, all of them. One to replace them all. That's what we need. So what are our options here? Uh, there's Jack Dorsey, whose best friends are not best friends, but I mean, I know. you know, I don't know what work colleagues in some way with Elon Musk. Yep. Uh, Jack Dorsey comes with his own problem. Jack Dorsey was in charge yes. of Twitter in 2016 when it was a platform for disinformation that time. I know, I know. And again, we're talking about a tech billionaire. Do we really want to get into bed again with a tech billionaire? So I don't know about Blue Sky. By the way, hasn't launched publicly yet. So it may not even be a, a viable option at this point. Um, then there's Threads. Well, that's Mark Zuckerberg. Right. Do we really want to put all of our eggs in the Zuckerberg basket again? I would say no. I think that's that eliminates threads as a possibility. Plus, there's no desktop Agreed. version of threads. Agreed. So I seldom use it because I do all of my social media shit on desktop. Same here. Um, what else? There's counter social. That's no one's really using that as much anymore. There was a, a window of time when everyone did. was running over there initially. Then there's Spoutable and yeah. Spoutable independently owned and operated by someone who's not a tech billionaire, uh, who's a person of color, who has the right ideas in terms of policing disinformation and trolls and all the rest of it. And it has a little friendly blue whale. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's had its own technical hiccups, but that comes with being, you know, kind of a one-man band situation at this point. Right. And there are plans to expand. Plus, Spoutable now has an app, I think, for both Android and iOS. So you can get the Spoutable app on your phone, plus there's a desktop version. So there are our options. Oh, and I forgot to mention Mastodon. And that brings us to our very next story. Oh, well, yes. Yeah, I, I'm on it, but uh, it's not one of my most important ones. What's yeah. What's up with them? Well, so far, there's been some positive things said about Mastodon. But this headline comes to us from The Washington Post today and reporter Cristiano Lima. And the headline is Twitter rival Mastodon rife with child abuse materials. Oh, study no. finds. Uh, a new report has found rampant child sexual abuse material on Mastodon, a social media site that has gained popularity in recent months as an alternative to platforms like Twitter and Instagram. Researchers say the findings raise major questions about the effectiveness of safety efforts across so-called decentralized platforms, which let users join independently run communities that set their own moderation rules, particularly in dealing with the Internet's most vile content. During a two-day test, researchers at the Stanford Internet Observatory found over 600 pieces of known or suspected child abuse material across some of Mastodon's most popular networks, according to a report shared exclusively by The Technology 202. Researchers reported finding their first piece of content containing child exploitation within about five minutes. Wow. They would soon go on to uncover roughly 2,000 uses of hashtags associated with such material. David Thiel, one of the report's authors, called it an unprecedented sum. 
Mm. Quote, we got more photo DNA hits in a two-day period than we've probably had in the entire history of our organization of doing any kind of social media analysis, and it's not even close, said Thiel, referring to a technique used to identify pieces of content with unique digital signatures. Mastodon did not return a request for comment. So as far as I'm concerned, that eliminates Mastodon from the list. Yeah, okay, well, I'm I'm out just based on that. It was appealing at first because it was primarily for journalists, allegedly, but yeah. the, the way it's set up is chaotic. I can't find anyone on Mastodon. It's crazy yeah. because it's like uh, the root system of a tree, and, <laughs> and, and there's just you don't know which route to follow yeah. uh, or where to find people. Uh, that's been my difficulty or at least frustration with it to the point that, eh, it's not worth the trouble. Uh, but but yeah, I'll I'll sign out as soon as we finish the show today, uh, just just based on that. But I mean, it, that's what the, the complexity of that site and the, this root system that it has it made it easy for these scum, these guys, to get in there and because they they're constantly looking and waiting for places to do this, to yeah. post this stuff, to share this stuff, and uh, it was very easy to hide at the bottom roots of of Mastodon, I'm sure. So the only two real viable alternatives to Twitter right now are Blue Sky and Spoutable. And then so on a head-to-head competition between those two, Uh do we want the independently run site owned by a person of color or do we want uh, another Twitter copycat run by the guy who sued Elon Musk to force Elon Musk to buy Twitter, who also happens to be a tech billionaire with all the accompanying I, sociopathy? I, I know, I know. I, I want the one with the little blue whale. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and you know what? Spoutable. I, I have this. Yeah, exactly. I have this theory of life that's, I'm not breaking any news with this. This is not unique to me, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of slow and steady wins the race. Sure. I like the idea of something that is just chugging forward, that is this developing is- new systems, developing new features, developing new improvements, and is being done in a way that takes users into consideration and not some board of directors or a bunch of shareholders or whatever, the, the whimsy of a tech billionaire. That's eliminated from Spoutable. Right. You know, whether you, whether you worry about your ratings or you worry about your health numbers, uh, no matter what you may worry about, uh, they, you don't need to worry about this. That's exactly. Sure. Exactly. Take your pick, folks. It's either blue sky or spoutable. And I think the answer to that question is obvious. And, and to address the spoutable whale in the room, yes. there have been some rumors going around about Christopher Boozy and where he got the infrastructure for spoutable, something along those lines. Right. From what I have seen, And again, I have limited bandwidth for uh, uh, petty rivalries and clicks on the Internet. I'm talking about clicks with the Q-U-E-S at the end. Cliques. Right. I don't really have any patience for that sort of shit, but there have been some people who have been spreading rumors about uh, Christopher Boozy. And I think from what I have seen, it relates to the fact that he defended Meghan Markle. And said that the people who were uh, going after Meghan Markle on social media were uh, amplifying their message using bots. Right. And so now there are a lot of people who hate Meghan Markle and now by extension also hate Christopher Boozy. That's my vague reading of this because I, again, I've only, you know, sort of glanced at this sort of shit. 
from what I know and my interactions with Christopher Boozy personally and when I interviewed him on the show, he seems like he's on the level. He seems yeah. like a smart guy who just he's, happened he's, to put his face into an internet uh, shovel fight over uh, Meghan Markle and all of that crap. His, his actions have, have upheld the, the truth uh, yeah. that he's a good guy. Uh, he's, he's behaved that way as well as, as spoken that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have to admire what this guy has done here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just when we needed it, really, and better than anybody else, it's a, it's a comfortable place to be. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, Greg Gutfeld downplaying the horrors of the Holocaust because of course, that's where Fox News is right now. We're going to talk about that uh, right after these words. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Bob Seska. Pins and needles break the skin. Knives and guns can do the same. But nothing's like what hits the ears. Words cause the worst kind of pain. Sticks and stones may hurt like hell. So will heat from an open flame But burns as they go don't come so close Words cause the worst kind of pain uh, This is a great Mike Farley, brand new single Words from Mike Words cause the Love worst it, kind of pain Yeah, it's oh, called man. Worst Kind of Pain That's beautiful, Mike, that's yeah. great Yeah, yeah Mike's one of the good guys, man. Yep. Not only an amazing musician, he and his wife Jen Farley produce some incredible music. But uh, Mike Farley, I gotta say, is responsible for many of the bands that you hear on this show. I cannot tell you how invaluable Mike has been to our efforts here to introduce everyone to all of these great independent recording artists. He has, uh, he represents many of them. And from the very beginning, he started sending me uh, music to play on the show. Uh, people like Michael McDermott yes. and, uh, and so many others uh, that are, are just so great and, and have enriched this show so much. 
Uh, I can't thank Mike enough, and of course, for his own music as well. And every time he's got a new single out, he knocks it out of the park, and so we're he, grateful for that. He has a great voice. And he's connected. So <laughs> Yes, he is. Okay, so goblin fetus Greg Gutfeld has downplayed the horrors of the Holocaust. He said uh, Jews survived the Holocaust by being useful, by working. This is all an extension of this. Oh I don't know how they ended up going down this road of saying that, oh, enslaved people. Slavery wasn't bad. Look, they learned <laughs> things like cobbling. You know, folks, you know, we, we did this once before in in history. It actually wasn't that long ago, really, that we did this. And now it appears we're doing it again. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't care what was learned in the process of being interned in a concentration camp or being an enslaved person. Right. These people were forced against their will under penalty of torture, misery, and death. Rape. Rape, all the rest of it, the worst possible things you can imagine. It's like, you know what it's like? It's like saying, hey, you know, I know lots of uh, cancer patients who learned a hell of a lot about radiation sickness and invasive surgeries. So hooray for cancer. I mean, essentially what we're talking about is downplaying something that's immensely serious and wrong and has no upside whatsoever. And cannot be forgotten. Exactly never, right. Never forget. We, right. we must always remember so we don't repeat as we as it feels we're preparing to do. Right. So what this calls to mind, Greg Gutfeld saying that, oh, my God, well, look, all the Jews in the concentration, they learned all kinds of stuff. Yeah, digging mass graves. Is that a useful, like digging uh, really well-made latrine trenches? Uh, maybe. What is this nonsense? You know what it is? Greg Gutfeld, and I don't know if he realizes this, but Greg Gutfeld is quoting one of the worst, most diabolical Nazi slogans yes. in the history of the Third Reich. The sign on the, the gates of many concentration camps had a slogan. It was, and I, I don't speak German, so forgive me, Arbiet macht free. Work makes you free. That was the Nazi justification. That was the Nazi propaganda that Jews... It's a work camp. Yeah. yeah, Jews sent to concentration camps were told and were reading and seeing uh, posted, uh, you know, on the gates of their uh, concentration camps. And it's worth mentioning that in addition to work makes you free, Holocaust survivors added an appropriate phrase at the end of that, took it upon themselves to do this. They said, you know, work makes you free. Through crematorium number three. That's the end of the ditty that Holocaust survivors added to that phrase. That gives you an idea in terms of what Holocaust survivors think of the notion of, well, you know, if you, if you work, you know, you could survive the whole. No, work makes you free through crematorium number three. I, I, I don't know how they can possibly on any level justify any of this other than to be courting the votes of people who are Nazi sympathizers, courting the votes of racists, and we know that because a lot of the people on Fox News are obvious racists. Of course. But this takes it to a different level. Especially since the arrival of Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, these folks have felt freer to come out of the closet mm -hmm. and, and to organize in bigger numbers. And we're seeing the Christian nationalists and the white nationalists and 
<laughs> the nationalists and and the Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan, uh, they're all on the rise and on the march. And this sort of speech is on the rise as well. And this is f a frightening reminder of what happened the last time we were in this exact situation. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's... This has got to be stopped in massive numbers. This is the overwhelming that I was talking about earlier that, that has to be achieved because if you can see here, and never mind the climate for a moment, yeah. you can see here that things have spun out of control. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there are people who uh, would otherwise vote for Democrats who are like, hey, you know, maybe let's look at a third party. Why? Well, you know, that guy, Joe Biden, he's going to be he's 80 years old now and he's going to be 81 next year. And so, you know what? We're going to we're going to vote based on that, completely ignoring the fact I that the other guys are justifying slavery and concentration camps, the Holocaust. I worry that if you polled every person of voting age in America, the winner of the poll would be I don't trust either party. Yeah, that's why that's why uh, no labels uh, poses a threat. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't trust either party is basically like saying, well, the, I don't trust either party, but eh, we'll let the Republicans win. And I just well, I they don't think it. They don't think it through that far. They think yeah, I don't true. trust either party, so I don't have to participate in this, uh, you know, uh, because I don't trust either party. And mm -hmm. so they don't they don't vote at all because they're not paying attention to what the Republicans are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about a Republican Party that's no longer about low taxes and small government. And, of course, racism has always been a dimension of right. conservatism, but it's always been, uh, you know, in the form of dog whistles. But now it's just like, okay, well, you know, slave, being uh, enslaved, uh, look at all the benefits of that. They learned blacksmithing. Yeah. Oh, my God. There is no justification for any of these things. No. And there's... Jesse Waters every night as the eight o'clock primetime host, the anchor of the entire yeah. Fox News broadcasting day. Fox has been doing this in primetime for a long time. Yeah. Going back to all the previous hosts, uh, some of whom aren't with us anymore. Yeah. Just making this case over and over again, using different phraseology, using different justifications, right. but making the same case. Hey, you know what? If you're opposed to slavery, then, well, you're opposed to black people learning skills. I mean, that's essentially what they're saying. You're you're talking about how slavery was wrong. Well, you're saying that black people shouldn't have learned skills. What's wrong with you? That's it's the that's, what that's kind of what they're saying to us. It's the racist channel. <laughs> exactly. Make racism wrong again. Can Please. we at least get to that point in this country? It, let's crush it. Yeah. I mean, how does that happen? How do you? How do you push back against these people? This is a conversation I was having all week last week, Buzz. Vote in overwhelming numbers. Yeah, but but does that even tackle the root cause of it? I mean, it, it certainly solves the political question. Which makes it, I think, easier to make unpopular that position. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that works, because that's the only real solution I could come up with last week. Is to just, okay, well, I don't know if we root out the... Uh, the centerpiece of all of this. I don't know if we, you know, it's it's like it's it's like with guns. We have to push it back in the closet. We have to make it not okay. We have to make it not cool. Exactly. Okay, so lots more to come on the show. We got to talk about uh, Kevin McCarthy's threats of an impeachment inquiry. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. Plus, uh, oh my God, 
Republicans are trying to roll back child labor laws. Of and course. We're, we're already starting to see some of the consequences of that. Uh, plus, we've got an interesting uh, poll number from the Pew 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 Research Center regarding Republican support for Donald Trump. Fascinating little bit of uh, statistics here. So we'll talk about that. Plus, Michael Knowles has his next target. As we all know, Michael Knowles is responsible, at least partly responsible, for this holy war against trans people that has made its way into state legislatures across the various red states and demonized uh, trans people, made them into second-class citizens or returned them to being second-class citizens, in a sense. Uh, restricting what they can do, how they can live their lives. Well, Michael Knowles has a new target. And uh, maybe it's going to turn into a thing. Maybe it's not. Mm. My instinct believes it's not, but we'll see. All that's I don't up- know about it. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm sticking around. All right. See you on the Shadow Dock at patreon.com slash Show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.